Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray that you are well. It's so good to be with you. We needed to run an encore yesterday. I don't like when that happens, but we are live today. And what I didn't get to do yesterday, closer to Sunday, is wish you all, all you men uh, who are fathers, a beautiful Father's Day, a wonderful Father's Day, and especially priests and bishops who are our spiritual fathers who we desperately need, just as children desperately need a father at home. So much of America is fatherless. But um, we, uh, we thank God for all of you. And I read <clears throat> from Crisis Magazine online. I have a, an online subscription to Crisis Magazine, who I recommend to anybody. <clears throat> faithful Catholic publication, um, there's an article called A Father's Day Story, and it was just this Sunday, by Kevin Wells, and um, it shows a picture of five children with a priest who I think is already a servant of God, I'm not sure, but I will read it to you, it's beautiful, it encouraged me very much, and it begins, the fresh-faced American priest stood there like Ichabod Crane, startled and fence-post skinny inside a wind-whipped cassock, his sharp, dominant nose seemingly pointed out to the ruination before him. Squatters with blank stares picked through hills of garbage. Beggars huddled in cardboard boxes, and lunatics muttered into the long-traveling winds coming from the plains of Manchuria in northern China. It was December 8, 1957, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. But truly, it was Father's Day, the first day of Venerable Aloysius Aloysius Schwartz, missionary priesthood in post-war South Korea. Putrefied sewage. Decaying animals and human waste scorched his nostrils. The incense of his new home. America wasn't his any longer. He had given everything in his life to the Virgin of the Poor, and she in turn gave him her poor. (coughs) An exhausted-looking boy, unnoticed by Scholes, rather, uh, Scholes, mourning passerby, zombied up a frozen path with a small girl, about three years old, tied to his back. She resembled a clump of unwashed clothes. Her hair was matted and had fallen out in patches. She was sick. The boy's thin cotton clothing looked to have just sopped up mud. Father Al's heart was wrung. The boy and girl collapsed onto the ground. The sunken-eyed boy watched the soles of shoes, few of whose wearers stopped to notice. Parade passed in a whir. The pair laid on the path 
like leftover war landmines. It seemed to be a good place to die. Father Al had just encountered the first of countless thousands of paper-fleshed orphans. He would raise up. Excuse me a moment. Shortly, he would reach down to lift up a child and then another. And within a few years, he would begin to change the course of Korean history. Many people on the Korean Peninsula began to see him as Atlas. Others just called him the father of orphans. Father Al, a native Washington, Washingtonian, um, raised in the teeth of the Great Depression, is now on the path to sainthood in the church. The reason you do not is that he did not want you to know. He prayed not to be known. In 1992, before Father Al's body faded away in the grip of, um, uh, let me see, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, it's known as ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, he had become a true father to tens of thousands of orphans and the humiliated and abandoned throughout the world. Perhaps no priest in the history of the world did as much as he did for the orphaned and tormented child. People say that St. Vincent de Paul was the great apostle of charity and that Father Al Schwartz based his entire missionary life on his, said Monsignor James Golasinski, who worked alongside Father Al for 10 years in the Far East. But I've told people, Father Monsignor James said, um, that Monsignor Aloysius Schwartz accomplished more than St. Vincent de Paul. What Father Al managed to do is beyond the pale. I was there, and I saw what happened. He was the boldest man I ever knew. He feared nothing. In the midst of 2020's charmless days, I wrote, this is, um, um, let's see now, this is from, I think, uh, the author, Kevin, um, let me get his name again, Kevin Wells, um, In the midst of 2020's charmless days, I wrote, quote, Priest and Beggar, The Heroic Life of Venerable Aloysius Schwartz, published by Ignatius Press. It was the aforementioned line from Monsignor Golinsinski that kept rearing in my head. He was the boldest man I ever knew. He feared nothing. At the time, I began to research the startling life, startling life, of the American missionary. Um, At that time, Catholic churches were shuttered throughout the world. Inner city violence had poured out onto America's streets. And although bishops had warned clergy against celebrating the mass during this pandemic, this is recent, a handful of hierarchy did encourage priests to march, some of who held placards reading Black Lives Matter. An individual took a hacksaw to the head of the Queen of Peace in the Starlit Valley of the Appalachian Mountains, not far from sleepy uh, Chickamauga Lake in Chattanooga, on the very day I began to write, Mary's beheading 
became a day or so, uh, came a day or so after the likeness of her face was set on fire in Boston. Now, very recent times. St. Thomas Aquinas defined effeminacy as the unwillingness of man to put aside pleasure in order to pursue what is difficult. It is a state where man does not take a thing on. A priest I know, who sleeps on the floor each night, said of Aquinas' definition, it is when a man softens, when he should harden, he steps away from duty, when he knows obliging it will bring a cost or a certain form of pain. This Father's Day weekend, of course, we're two days past that. This Father's Day weekend, as dispensation begins to lift in some dioceses, numberless thousands of Catholic laity have come to grips with a stark reality. They sorely lack spiritual fathers. The enormous crisis of fatherhood in the culture is no secret, but less talked about is the crisis of true fatherhood, or put another way, true masculinity in the church. As the lyrical language of monks, saints, mystics, and their priestly forefathers has grown fainter, like the piecemeal extinguishing of racks of votive candles, a modern strain of what rightly might be called priestly effeminacy has swept into parishes. It is undisguised ascendancy of fatherlessness, the undisguised beloved. He writes, it is an undisguised ascendancy of fatherlessness that has taken hold in the Roman Catholic Church. It is a time, by Aquinas' definition, that untold numbers of clergy choose to live effeminately in chanceries and rectories, unwilling to put aside comfort to pursue what is difficult, saving their spiritual children's souls. They do not take on the Pride Month that is bombarding the American landscape. Few fight for proper reception of the Eucharist. The heresy of modernism rampages, but clergy seem to seldomly square their shoulders to confront it. As the summer months unfolded last year and the sacraments continued to be denied to dumbfounded Catholic laity, I pondered, this is Kevin Wells, the author, I pondered what the thoughts of Father Al might be were he still alive in 2020. He would have been 90. He was a priest who took his fatherhood seriously, and by turns he was haunted, hunted rather, by Korean bishops, a murderous kingpin, a gang of lepers, and his own seminary rector. And each time he passed, right through their midst. When some American bishops convinced Pope Paul VI to halt Father Al's requests for American donations for Korea's poor, he hopped a plane for Rome, and he won that fight too. I think he was not even afraid of God. Filipino Bishop Socrates Villegas said of Schwartz. There's the music for our first break, beloved. We'll continue this article when we come back after our break and we'll take your calls your emails your text after the second break god bless you we'll be right back 
Are you holding on to an old car or truck because you think dealers won't want it? Then consider donating it to the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. This is a great way to turn your unvalued vehicle into a powerful gift for Catholic Radio. You'll be taking part in our evangelization efforts to continue spreading Christ's love throughout the world. Our Lord uses Catholic Radio to draw more people to Himself, and one of the best ways to support the Station of the Cross is by contributing to our vehicle donation program. The process is safe and simple. Your generosity will greatly benefit our mission to bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners. To find out more or to donate your vehicle today, visit thestationofthecross.com or call 1-866-628-CARS. That's the stationofthecross.com or 1-866-628-2277. The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved family, to Mother Miriam Live. We are... Uh, right in the middle of a Father's Day story, an article written for Crisis Magazine this past Sunday. Uh, it appeared, Crisis Magazine Online, by Kevin Wells, <clears throat> who was writing about a venerable uh, Al uh, Alphonsius Schwartz, missionary, an American priest missionary to Korea, who, um, whose apostolate was to orphans. And he went beyond orphans, and he was, um, he gave his heart to Mary for her poor, and Mary gave him her poor. And he, and uh, Kevin Wells, the author, says this, <clears throat> with Father L as the example, courageous men fight. They step into things for their children. Father Al would have fought bishops last year. He would have fought like the boy warrior David, oblivious and uncaring, to who stood before him because he saw God's omnipotent presence within him. He knew without the Eucharist and the sacraments, Satan would have worked riotously to fill the void in the souls of children. Without the Mass, Catholic laity would be orphaned, and saving orphans was what Mary had poured into his heart. 
It is, of course, Kevin Wells goes on to say, it is, of course, impossible to crawl into the thoughts of one who has died, Father Al Schwartz. But because Father Al had profound supernatural faith, was intensely devoted to prayer, and was frequently seen in a trance-like state before the Blessed Sacrament, it can be assumed he would have been scandalized by the bishop's decision to close churches to prevent bodily harm. Bodily harm. And I'm going to interject here that all of us, the faithful, indeed were scandalized, terribly scandalized, terribly hurt that the bishops and priests who um, vowed uh, to bring us to heaven um, shut the doors to heaven in order that our bodies might be healthy and not sick. It's just unthinkable to us. Unthinkable. But that's what happened. He, Father Al, would have easily known that a generation of Catholic teenagers and college-aged kids would not return to the sacraments. That's happened in large measure, beloved. After the pandemic lessened and the long closures of churches and dispensation began to lift. And I'm, I'm reminded of Cardinal Raymond Burks. This is my own insertion here. Um, statement that, excuse me. I went from allergies in Tulsa to allergies in Kansas. <laughs> um, and I say I'm reminded of Cardinal Raymond Burke's statement that um, receiving the sacraments, the Blessed Sacrament Mass on Sundays, is not a man-made law. It's a divine law. And Cardinal Raymond Burke, top canonist of the Church, said that no bishop, no priest, no bishop, no one has the power to give a dispensation from Sunday Mass. Nobody. Uh, for the whole parish. No one has that power. And yet it was done. Father Al would have fought as a father must for his kids and begged for bishops to find creative ways to keep church doors open for the sacraments, the food for their souls. And if he had found himself being ignored, things would have gotten messy. Well, I don't know what Father Al would have done, but unfortunately, priests that tried to do the right thing, many of them have been um, not just abandoned, but put out by their bishops. We're living in very, very hard times. Excuse me again, I'm so sorry. A week before being ordained in Washington, D.C., in June 1957, Father Al had given his life to Mary at her apparition site in Benoit, Belgium. He vowed to the Virgin of the Poor that everything he did in the days that followed, he would do as her servant. He never again took a day off from his priesthood. Mary had asked him to be father to thousands of broken-hearted children throughout the world. Today, there are 20,000 children safely residing in authentically Catholic boys' towns and girls' towns throughout the world because of Father Al and the Sisters of Mary religious community he founded. Hardeningly, 
Hearteningly, there are still spiritual fathers like Father Al. Last year, Father John Holloway, Hollowell offered his three brain surgeries, chemotherapy, and radiation for those sexually abused by clergy. He had collected hundreds of names of the suicidal alcoholics and those who had left the faith because of the clergy abuse. And when his head pain became withering, Father Holloway set their names free like puffs of incense to God, who he knew would heal them in ways he could not. Hold on. Stop, runny nose. Laity starves, dear priests, dear bishops. We beg you to hear um, the heart of Father Al and the words of Kevin Wells. Laity starves for more heroic fathers like Father Jonathan Meyer. When alerted by his Indiana bishop that anarchists were going about destroying statues at local Catholic churches, he broke out his large nativity set and displayed it in the front of his rectory. It was July. It was during the pandemic that Father Meyer's All Saints YouTube page swelled to 30,000 subscribers as the voice of the church blinked off thousands from around the world discovered his priestly example and as a sunflower bends toward the sun's rays they stretched to father meyer laity found his recorded holy hours radiant joy and prophetic voice like a bomb to their lonely souls laity needs fatherly heroes like a priest friend of mine who pastors a country parish where a big Sunday Mass might draw 100 souls. When his bishop shut everything down last year, <clears throat> he swung his doors open. He offered adoration of the Blessed Sacrament each day of the week from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m., the math for which does not work in a parish of 100 or so families. A single question comes to mind. Where are the guardians going to come from? Well, for starters, when, we could not, when he could not find one, he adored the Eucharistic face of Jesus and prayed for others to come. And people came. In and out they came, all day long, even to this very day. Laity today starve for heroes in the church. On Father's Day weekend, the spirituality orphaned the spiritually orphaned yearn for priests like Father Al, who crucified his priesthood to the narrow path and went on to save generations of bodies and souls. All that will work now are heroes, those who know the burden of their identity. They are the slaughtered lamb willing to die to help save their flock and lead them to heaven. That's the end of the article, beloved. I, I'm sorry, I am using up half a box of, box of Kleenex. Hold on a moment. I'm not sick. Just allergies, which I've never had before. Before I moved to Tulsa, Kansas. <clears throat> 
I'd like to read that whole article again. It was so heartening to me, dear ones. And I know it will be to many, many of you out there. Oh, dear fathers, dear spiritual fathers, if you only know how desperately, if you only knew how desperately we need you, not to cure our sickness and illness or keep us from getting sick. We don't need you for that. We don't need you for that. We need you for heaven. We need you to help save our souls. And short of the building being on fire, there's never a church that should be closed. Never, ever a church that should be closed. Um, you, you did make us orphans. You did make us orphans by closing the churches. And I know that many priests um, did not want to, but they needed to obey their bishops. Um, again, according to Cardinal Leo Raymond Burke, Raymond Leo Burke, no bishop had the right or the power to uh, give a dispensation to Catholics to not go to Mass on Sunday and receive the Blessed Sacrament. Um, I believe COVID-19, is it a real illness, a real disease, um, an epidemic of sorts? Yes, but there have been worse pandemics, worse epidemics. St. Vincent de Paul went out in the middle of one to save souls. Charles Borromeo went out in the middle of one to save souls. Went to dying on the street to give them the sacraments. Mother Teresa has done the same. Not, not a priest, not celebrating Mass, but she understood and understands still that there's nothing that comes before the salvation of a single soul. And for the most part, bishops and priests of the world have abandoned us. And it's terribly awful. And churches are beginning to open now, but even so, some priests are requiring that those without the vaccine sit on one side, those who have the vaccine sit on another, those without the vaccine wear masks, those with the vaccine the vaccine don't have to wear masks. It's, it's, all, it's all false, false, beloved. If you keep up the story of the vaccine, many, 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 many people who have been vaccinated still have COVID, still got COVID, still died from it. Um, masks have been proven to not be effective. There's, if you just look at the news and keep up, but it's not an issue. No one comes before Christ. Nothing comes before receiving our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. And there are priests, many, who would not even hear confessions during this time. It is so unthinkable to me and to many to your children, spiritual fathers, it is so unthinkable that you would abandon us, that you would be afraid, that you would have a worldly perspective on a pandemic rather than a spiritual perspective on leading us to heaven, which is your only job, if I may speak such, your vocation. It's what you vowed to do. We beg you. We the sheep beg you. Someone said, I have a reputation of being against bishops. There's no way in the world. We can't exist without you, dear bishops. We love you. 
We desperately need you to be spiritual fathers to us and to your priests. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is at a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. My name is Nathan Wigfield, Executive Director of the St. Thomas More House of Prayer a Catholic retreat center in Cranberry, Pennsylvania, with the mission of praying and promoting the Liturgy of the Hours. Our goal is to help people experience the Liturgy of the Hours and discover the prayer that will change their life. The Catholic Church teaches us that the Liturgy of the Hours is the prayer that Christ Himself, together with His body, addresses to the Father, and that its purpose is to sanctify each day and the whole range of human activity. That means every time we pray this prayer, our relationship with Christ is deepened. We are united to the faithful of every time and place, and our entire day and work are made holy unto the Lord. To learn more about the prayer of the Church, please visit liturgyofthehours.org or call our retreat center at 814-676-1910. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved family, to Mother Miriam Live. Um, This is our full half hour together, and you are welcome to call in with anything whatsoever on your heart. The uh, heart of the matter is the matter of your heart. It doesn't have to be our subject today. Um, Call in toll-free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have an email from Debbie. who says, Mother Miriam, I know a grandmother who wants, and actually this was on Facebook, I know a grandmother who wants to baptize her little grandchild without the child's parents' consent. Would this be the wrong thing to do and why? It's a difficult question. Um, Father Groeschel once asked Mother Teresa, because he was in a very poor situation, uh, the parents had a new little baby, uh, their first, the parents were drug addicts and all of that, and they were uh, no faith whatsoever. And Father Groeschel wanted to baptize that baby, and he asked Mother Teresa if she thought it was okay. And she said, um, in that situation, I would say God is that child's father and it's okay. Uh, it may be the same here. 
it's always good for a child to be baptized. Um, That is necessary for salvation. The difficulty is that the child will not be raised in the faith, and to baptize a child and to leave it a spiritual orphan is a very difficult situation. So um, I would ask the grandmother um, if... There's any way if the if the uh, whoever the if it's her chi- child, a daughter, a son, and spouse, and her grandchild, um, if she could go to those parents and say, "I know you don't have the faith I have. There's no way I blame you for it. Faith is a gift, and I would love someday that you would draw near to God, that He could give you that gift." But. Um, uh, our faith believes that baptism is necessary for for heaven. And um, I want to ask you if you would allow me uh, to baptize your child or take the baby to church to be baptized, whatever it may be, if I would uh, be the child's godmother and and raise that baby. I won't, you'll raise your baby, but I will raise him or her in the faith. I can bring little books when they're young. I could take them to church after a while. There's no way it'll do harm to your baby. And if faith is right and God exists, it can only do good. And your baby may greatly thank you later on. So I would do everything I could in that way to um, try to help the parents allow you to baptize or have the baby baptized and then you would be, you say, I'm responsible for that baby's spiritual life. And I don't, you know, I, I would love to transfer anything to you I can, but this is always going to be your decision. But for your child's sake, would you allow me to do it? I would try that before you, the grandmother just took the child and baptized him or her. Okay. We have a... a, a a text message from someone who writes anonymously and says, Good morning, Mother. I'd like to ask this anonymously, but I feel it is of importance. <clears throat> Do you think Disney is sinful, or should we associate it with evil? I heard a certain priest saying it is from hell, and to cleanse it from your house. I agree with many things, this priest says, and I am concerned about whether there are certain things I need to throw away. Well, I can clearly answer to you that the priest is 100% right. Disney, with Walt Disney, if, if he could be turning over in his grave, uh, he would be right now. I hope he cannot be. I pray that he's in heaven. But Disney was very good. But it is now from hell. There's no question about it. Um, I, I don't know where I saw a news article just in the past week of uh, their new movies are LGBTQ, um, same-sex relationships uh, for children. It's enough to make one nauseous. So if you have anything from Disney, throw it in the garbage. Throw it in the garbage. Well, why take it out on Mickey and Minnie Mouse? My children love them. Well, if your children are real young, there's no way for them to understand. You don't have to pull those cute little dolls from them. But never watch Disney. Never buy another article from Disney. Um, they have um, given over to the devil without any question at all. I wouldn't watch anything of theirs, even if they put a good film in between. They are not from God any longer. We have an email from Ron 
who says, Good evening, Mother. We've been watching your program on YouTube for a while and have learned more of our Catholic faith, teachings, and traditions. We also had the privilege of seeing you in person at a Lift Jesus rally in Toronto. I remember that one with Ralph Martin years back as Rosalind Moss. I'm personally grateful for your direct advice with clarity and charity. Thank you, Ron. Ron writes, our daughter, turning 40 this year, will be moving in with her divorced boyfriend next month. I am so sorry to hear that. We have expressed our concerns as faithful practicing Catholics regarding divorcing and remarrying. We have brought her up to the tenets of the faith. When she broke up with him, she deepened her faith by receiving the sacraments. But when they reconciled and COVID happened, they became closer. They previously sought the advice of a priest on his annulment, the the man's annulment, but unfortunately it was denied. He, the man, does not understand why the church denied it when in fact he tried for eight years to save his marriage. But the wife was unwilling and turned to alcoholism, thus and thus filed for divorce. He got custody of their children who are now adults. I'm going to pause to say that the annulment has nothing to do with your trying to save your marriage or your wife's alcoholism or anything else. An annulment is not a Catholic divorce. It does not break up a marriage. It determines whether the marriage was valid to begin with. It does not base that on all the years that have ensued since your marriage. But it goes back and gets witnesses to your marriage to learn the state of both of you, the fate of both of you, the intent in making your vows. It was truly a Catholic marriage, if it was truly sacramental. And if it was, and you're married in God's sight, what God has joined, no man can put asunder no matter what he tries. So an annulment does not break up a marriage. It, it is a decree of nullity, which says the marriage never took place. It was null and void from the beginning. It doesn't mean the children are illegitimate. It's a civil marriage, but it was never a sacramental marriage. That's what an annulment says. So that means you're not married in God's eyes. You never have been. And you're free to marry again. But if the church says at the time you were married in the Catholic Church that everything was in order, your vows, your faith, your intent, all of that, as far as anybody and all the witnesses can determine, then the church says you're married in God's eyes. We have no power to negate that. We have no power to negate that. So we need to understand what an annulment is. And he continues, though my daughter understands the consequences of the serious nature of adultery, because that she's living in adultery, because he's still married, uh, jeopardizing her soul, she is blinded and willing to take that course. Well, you need to tell her, Ron, that she is taking a course to hell. And if she claims to love this man, um, her love is shallow and false because she's putting him on the road to hell as well. You don't put someone on the road to hell whom you love. You do what is best for their soul. And Ron continues, the guy who was a Catholic was not at all practicing. I learned that the parents were the same. 
I expressed my sentiments to the guy regarding my moral concerns about civil marriage and living together in adultery and the eternal consequence this can have on their souls. He said that he will take the chance, for they both found each other, meant by God to be together. He was upset at me, um, and that made him feel unwelcome at home. Um, Good. He's going to be unwelcomed in heaven. You need to tell him that. He will not be in heaven, and if he wants the chance of leading himself and his so-called partner to hell, that's not love. That is not love. That is a blind selfishness that could care less for another soul. Ron continues, I told my wife about it and she was mad as she tends to be compromising for the sake of peace. Well, I'll say to your wife and anyone else who wants to compromise for the sake of peace, hell will be full of people who have compromised for the sake of peace. Ron continues, I told her I respect their free will. So does God. I felt it was my responsibility and accountability to God if I remained silent about sin. You're right, Ron. So she devised a letter to reconcile the situation, knowing fully well that their situation is difficult and that we put our trust in the Lord and pray for them. Now, the closing on the purchase of their house is coming soon. I feel a stone in my stomach and that it will be hard for me to accept their relationship. You cannot accept it, especially when we would be getting together socially. How can a father go to their home, a social gathering, to announce their civil marriage? You cannot. You cannot run. Because what you're saying is you're on your way to hell, but that's your problem to deal with. We, we want to make you happy on earth. There's just no way. You can't even go to their home for dinner. Don't do it. Don't do it. Express as much as you can of church. Don't express your concerns. Express church teaching. And say to them, you are on your way to hell. You are bringing each other to hell. Your children will be on that road as well. And if that's what your emotions tell you, that they're more important than um, what God has shown us, um, you you indeed have free will. You indeed have the free will to choose. And I have free will too. And as your father, I will not support you in this in any way. In any way. And you, may, you, you don't go to their house and you don't invite them and the children to your house. It's very, very hard. But it's the only way to not compromise. It's the only way, if they feel shut out here, and they'll be against you, and they won't talk to you, and they'll talk about you, and all of that. Say to them, it breaks our heart. But this is a foretaste, because you will be shut out of heaven unless you repent. And Ron um, continues by saying uh, just this one last sentence. Um, A friend priest was wondering why his reason, a friend priest was wondering why his reason for annulment was denied when he seemed reasonable. So he suggested meeting with him and listening to his story. Maybe we can help. I don't know. It's not a bad thing to do. But again, the priest needs to understand that annulment is not Catholic divorce. It doesn't matter if your spouse murdered somebody. 
at the time you were married, was it a sacramental marriage in the Catholic Church? That is all that matters. If God has joined you, no one, not a priest, can, can put that asunder, can separate you. If a priest wants to help, let him help, but not based on how poor your marriage turned out, but based on whether or not you were ever married. And Ron says, Mother Miriam, I need your advice and prayers. Thanks, Ron. You have my advice and prayers, Ron, but it's going to take your courage and your uncompromising stand before God to show them what lack of compromise truly means. There's the music for our last break, beloved. We'll be right back after the break. Denise from Toronto is on the line. Hold on, Denise. And if anyone else wishes to call in, toll free. It's one 511 5483 We'll be right back. beloved this is mother miriam how would you like to wake up each morning to inspiring sermons from knowledgeable and faith-filled priests you can tune in to sermons for everyday living every day at 6 a.m eastern on the station of the cross you can listen on the station of the cross.com or anytime on the free iCatholic radio mobile app god bless you Hi, this is Joe McLean, host of the Catholic Drive Time Morning Show, joining you on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network each weekday morning at 7 a.m. We'll keep you informed and inspired with insightful guests and breaking news stories of the day. That's the Catholic Drive Time, weekday morning, 7 a.m. on the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio app. We'll see you then. Praise be to Jesus. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, Love in Truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the Internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. 
Welcome back, beloved family, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment. We've got about 10 minutes, and you're welcome to call in toll-free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have Denise from Toronto on the line. Hello, Denise. Oh, hello, Mother Miriam. How are you today? Oh, I'm good. Good to hear from you again. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I do have a question. Um just about this vaccine thing, I, I, I just now get hearing from people, these are church-going people, who know all about the negative effects. They know how they're, they're, there's deaths, that there's dangers, and I'm even hearing from people who I know personally who have received, who have experienced really, you know, bad adverse events, you know, mm-hmm. mouth palsy, mm-hmm. um, stroke. I've heard right. that. <laughs> these are people. I like, have you know, too. And mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm sharing a lot of this information with everybody, and and then I, you know, I run into people like I ran into a friend of mine, devout Catholic, and um, she knows about all this. But she told me she took the vaccine and all her children because um, her son got into a prestigious school, and in order to go to the school, they have to he has to have the vaccine, and Shame the family has to drive him across the border, and so. You know, I'm hearing that so many people saying, well, I'm just trusting in God. I'm just praying to God. God wouldn't let, let this happen to me. I'm, you know, and I don't know what to say to them. Why not? <laughs> like Why wouldn't he let it happen to you? He lets people die. He lets people have a stroke. Thousands of people have died. Hundreds of thousands have died from the vaccine. Vaccine. Why wouldn't he let it happen to you? God wants us to use our heads and our faith. And so we make choices and we are... We need to risk the consequences of those choices. We can't uh, count on God to protect us from our choices. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I don't know. I guess I don't want to be harsh with them. Like when somebody's taken something and I think, oh, it's poison. Like, you know. It is poison. You You've already drunk it. It's like at the same no, time. No, you're right. But I don't want to alarm them. But I don't no. want to also them to pass it on, right? <laughs> to, to tell well, everybody to take it. You're right. And and Denise, I have that same struggle. Um, uh, when people have already told me that they've already taken the vaccine because otherwise they wouldn't be able to see their grandchildren or they wouldn't be able to go here or there, I keep quiet. I just keep quiet. Um, I'm going to assume by now people have enough information. If they don't, it's it's because they don't want to. So there's plenty of information out there. And if they've already taken it, I keep quiet. I I just, what am I going to do? They've already taken it. If they haven't, um, I will give them every piece of information I can to warn them to not take it. Um, And so um, that's it. If they've taken it, what are you going to do about it? Let it go. They have their reasons. It's shameful. I'm sorry they took it. But... um, Shameful on on anyone who would insist someone take the vaccine. Um, I'm not saying it's shameful for them to take the vaccine. It may not be. Not all. Some of the um, vaccine producers are no longer using stem cell research uh, cells from aborted children. And that's made known. Um, But the fact is, if you just look at today's LifeSite News, I think it came out last night. It did. No, excuse me, it's the, um, today's the 22nd, yes, from yesterday, LifeSite News. Several articles, let me just, uh, let me just see if I can see this. Look at this. I'm looking, 
at the Catholic edition of just yesterday's LifeSite News, which is not about COVID. It's about Catholic news. And um, um, here's the first title. Pope Francis greets homosexual activists appointed to Pontifical Commission for the Protection of Minors. Uh, We're going insane, but let me just pick out what has to do with COVID. Vatican Academy to co-host pro-vaccination conference with secular medical associations. Okay. Um, Dutch Cardinal takes COVID vaccines, says it's not a call for other Catholics to do so. Um, I'm just picking out what is COVID on one day's news. Um, Okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Passing awful headlines, which is just insanity. Massachusetts, one day's news, yesterday, Massachusetts records nearly 4,000 positive COVID-19 tests among the fully vaccinated. Um, All right. Um, Canadian province confirms it is working with feds on vaccine passports. We won't be able to travel unless we're vaccinated. Um, there's more. As CDC delays emergency summit on adolescent heart risk from COVID vaccines due to Juneteenth holiday. It's insane. There was one state that canceled July 4th because they're having Juneteenth um, marches. Crazy. Um, Canadian political leader tells Uh, Tucker Carlson, that his COVID arrest was a form of political repression. And finally, lab tests show 11 dangerous pathogens found in children's masks. Um, This pandemic pandemic emergency is uh, pandemic emergency spending is riddled with fraud. The companies are earning billions of dollars, beloved. And this is the final one from one day's headlines in LifeSite. Um, did you know little known facts about COVID-19 and the vaccine? And the first little known fact is that it's unsafe gene therapeutics dubbed as vaccines. Listen to this. Unsafe gene therapeutics dubbed as vaccine. The FDA did not approve the Moderna or Pfizer mRNA gene therapeutics, which they dubbed vaccines. We've been saying all along, they're a pathogen, they're not a vaccine, but simply authorized them. As Dr. Anthony Fauci confirms, 19 doctors warned the world of the dangers. Um, Indeed, in 2012, the animal trials for the mRNA jabs had to be stopped because the animals kept dying. Okay, I'm going to skip all the support on that and go to the second one. Human guinea pigs in mass trials. trials. That's what we are. If you take a vaccine, you're a guinea pig. And it says the clinical trials will be completed in October 2022 for Moderna and in May 2023 for Pfizer. These, no, those being vaccinated are the guinea pigs. It bears emphasizing 
There were no animal studies on these two particular jabs, but previous animal studies using mRNA killed the animal, the animals. We're insane. Uh, We we are being lied to. We are being frightened. The only way that anyone needs to control a population is what happened, which is why we're becoming communist. It's what happened under Hitler. It's what happened in, in every way where a country is dominated is through fear. And we are, we are buying into fear. It's unfounded. And we're just buying into it. The easy way. Give me the COVID. I don't want to worry about travel. I don't want to worry about this. I don't want... Just give me, just give me the, the vaccine. Um, I'd rather see my children. I'd rather not be separated from my family. Uh, go ahead and just give it to me. It's, um, it's crazy, beloved. Um, Denise, are you still there? I am. <laughs> All right. That was a long answer. But people need to wake up. Uh, this is... Uh, The pandemic is being used as part of the creation of a one-world order and to control us and to put us in fear, which means that we'll submit. If we submit to this, what won't we submit to? We submit it to the masks. We'll submit to anything, only if they're successful in bringing fear. So God bless you, Denise, and everyone else, and we'll speak with you tomorrow.